0: Welcome to the French Tech Asia-Pacific podcast, the show where we talk to French founders, local influencers, and policymakers here in the Asia-Pacific region. This week's guest is Mathieu Toulmond, Asia CEO for Agorize, a French-founded startup focused on open innovation that connects businesses and organizations with innovators from across the world through its platform. Open innovation is based on the belief that the best ideas can come from anywhere, Building on this thesis, Agorize helps companies engage with the best talents in the world, source the best solutions and accelerate their digital transformation. Agorize has recently announced a 14 million Series B funding round and has opened an office here in Singapore in a move to step up its international growth in the Asian region. But our guest, Mathieu Trimonde, will tell the story much better than I ever could. So let's get started.
1: So uh, thank you Nicole, for inviting me for this podcast. I mean, uh, I'm Mathieu. I'm uh, basically uh, developing, piloting the extension of Agrize in Asia. So I've been joining this company early on as one of the first employees a bit more than six years ago, uh, responsible for the BD first in France and in Europe, and decided to relocate to Asia like two years ago to uh, set up uh, the office uh, in Asia for for Agorize, and now we have a bit more than 20 employees spread into three different offices in Hong Kong, in Singapore and Tokyo. So uh, Agorize basically it's a a platform that connects large companies that are looking for both ideas and uh, innovation, and that connects also, which is connected to a global community of innovators. So it's basically a platform where any company from any industry can submit an innovative topic, what we call a challenge, and they'll get in return thousands of ideas coming from our global community of innovators. Um, Well, now we have a bit more than 100 employees at a global global level, and we've got seven different offices. Uh, Actually, we met uh, around the... The common understanding that the traditional model of 48 hacker hour hackathon was broken, because it was too short, too competition oriented, and there was like really a lack of diversity. Uh, so uh, when I met with those three students developing a platform that will uh, allow to create, design online to offline challenges to make it you know more open. Uh, give more time to the participant to develop uh, groundbreaking innovation. Uh, really, say Benko, uh, I, I want to work for that company, and I already like saw the potential. So that's why I, I joined the company, and I from there I've been developing, uh, and I've been uh, yeah the company, and I've been in charge of the business developments.
0: You you say that the way you put these companies that have specific needs in terms of innovation and talents in touch with this talent pool that you have through what you call open innovation challenges. What makes that a special kind of innovation and who tends to use that model?
1: Yeah, so as I said, we've decided to design uh, online to offline um, competitions uh, because we saw that the traditional model 48-hour hackathon was really broken. So the one you know, it's usually during the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, pizza and beer. Uh, but it's really too short for the participant to, you know, come up with groundbreaking innovation. Yeah. And it was like very competition-oriented. And yeah, as I said, with was a lack of diversity. Um, last year, there were about 6,000 hackathon organized at a global level. Uh, uh, but only 24% of the participants were female. And so we think that this model is not possible. It needs to be, you know, more open. Uh, we want it really to give more time to the participants and also to make it less competition oriented. So by building this platform, we could give the participant opportunities, mentoring and resources to help them learn and grow. Uh, so, And uh, we've created this platform, we've launched uh, a bit more than 500 hackathon or challenges at a global level, uh, as for now. And we realized that 44% of the participants were female. And also we had only 13% of what we call team of clones, making it to the final. Team of clones are basically, uh, you know, participants with the same background, uh, basically they are coming up with ideas but only addressing a specific target specific audience which is usually just like them so it's what really really what we're trying to avoid at a Agri- but making it more open by bringing diversity different background teaming up together to start brainstorming on innovative challenges we think that we can really make an impact and this lead to to sustainable innovation. So this is really what is uh, an open innovation and challenge about. So it's usually three to four months. It's mainly online from thousands of participants to top three to top five team that will implement the idea to the market or within the company. So it's really like a funnel. At the beginning, we have the, 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 the funnel as open As possible and then only the winning teams will get mentored and will get the chance to implement their ideas.
0: What you're saying about the impact of the format on the diversity of the teams and because of that the diversity of the kinds of solutions that are proposed to the clients that sign up for your platform is really very interesting. Um, I was wondering how Compared, for example, to hackathons, where the innovations that come out of these events are very rarely integrated into companies, if at all, um, into meaningful solutions. How do you think that your format um, favors meaningful integration of the solutions that are proposed by the teams into the companies that launch the challenges?
1: I think you're right, uh, Nicolai. It's really the, the main goal, the, the only goal should be the implementation of the project. So, uh, this is pretty much our ambition to become the missing link and helping corporates to implement these technologies that have been sourced through the platform. So, for that, as you said, we've designed this online to offline process from thousands of solutions to top three or top five We really who really are really ready to be implemented. Um, so we've got tons of success stories, but maybe one, uh, for example, Pernod Ricard, the wine and spirit company, wanted to launch the first online community around cocktails in China. So two startups out of all the participants decided to team up on the platform and propose the innovative solution. They won the challenge, and Pernod Ricard decided to sign a commercial agreement with them and invested several million euros in the new launch startups. So it's really what we are trying to do: is basically by designing this process, we are trying to align the speed between corporation and the startups, but also the mindsets, and I would say the objective, the expected outcomes, because us. Sustainable and successful collaboration between startups and, corporate, and, and corporates should be should be really about aligning the objectives and making sure that it's not only uh, the startups you know uh, that are giving to the corporates, but also the corporates should give something, bring something to the table. And uh, yeah, it's really about keeping this balance um, that leads to a sustainable co- uh, collaboration.
0: And I think looking at the way your company has developed over the last couple of years, you really seem to have nailed that part at least, right? Um, Because that's one of the pushbacks that you hear a lot about open innovation is that, okay, what's in it for the companies, for the startups? I mean, when I say companies that participate in these kinds of things and what do the corporates bring to the table for all of those people participating, especially if you have formats that run a little bit longer that invest time and money and that don't necessarily come out winning
1: yeah yeah exactly I think uh, it's so successful uh, this kind of uh, you know innovation or innovation program because it's super easy uh, it's just based on the principle where you see a problem the others see a solution so you just have to advertise your problem your challenge to get the solution coming right to you. I think also it's like super efficient because it's just only three to four months from thousands of project to top three and can be then directly implemented. And I think yeah, last but not least is super cool. So it's a great way to like engage with thousands of innovators, not only in Asia, but also at a global uh, level, but also involving in the process, your own employees as well as the top management. So we just finished, for example, the total startup of the year. Uh, so total, the oil and gas company, they were doing this massive global call out. So we sourced a bit more than 50,000 startups to choose the top three winners. Three winners that was announced last week.
0: Now that we understand a little bit better how Agorize works, could you tell us more about how and when you decided to move Agorize into the Asian market?
1: Well, sh- sure. So, I mean, um, at first, we really focused on the European markets. I would say first French market, then the U- European markets. After four years of business, we finally like become the leading open innovation platform for Europe. And then we start from there, we, we start exploring other opportunities overseas. And obviously, Asia was a super big market for us. And even without having any presence in Asia, we had like thousands and thousands of innovators coming to the platform to join the challenge launched mostly by European or American companies. So mostly from China and India. So we said, well, we, yeah, we were thinking, okay, if the innovators, the students, the entrepreneurs, the startups are interested to join, we are pretty sure that some local Asian companies would be eager to launch also their own challenges. So, well, after two, three days of market study, I uh, decided to relocate there. So it was like two years and a, gap, uh, two years and a half ago. Uh, I just you know, bought a flight ticket, took an intern with me, and finally landed to Hong Kong. It was my very first time in, in, in Hong Kong. And then uh, from there, we were, you know, starting to organize the very first meeting uh, with some local companies, local institutions, uh, but also with local partners because we do a lot of partnership with top universities and top incubators. And yeah, after, I would say, four months, we finally signed our very first deal. And from there, yeah, we launched a company, uh, set it up. Uh, the company in Hong Kong, then in Singapore, and finally, yeah, we just launched, uh, uh, opened a new office in Tokyo as well.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Let's just um, move back to what you said just and, and drill into that a little bit more. So you said something very interesting. You said that it took you two to three days of market study before before going here, before launching in Asia? That was that, rather quick, right?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, it's true that uh, at least on paper, uh, three years ago when I started to investigate, uh, open innovation was already existing in Asia. Um, so I had like very few information, and I just decided to go and say that would be the best way to you know uh, find out if there is a market or not. Uh, also, I would was well very following my intuitions saying that uh, you know open innovation is so big in the US and in Europe for now is still a small wave I would say in Asia but it will soon become a tsunami and you know like Asia they are moving so so fast uh, catching up with all the technology we've been developing for so many years in the US and in in Europe and catching Catching up is a small word, I would say, like, it's even now over over-pathing and uh, making even better technologies and more groundbreaking solutions than in Europe and in the US. So, for us, uh, it was really all about, yeah, going there, uh, meeting people, uh, finding out if there's a potential, but that was not really a question from the beginning. It was basically a no-brainer for me.
0: And then you acquired your first client only four months in, which is also pretty quick. Could you tell us a little bit more about the challenges you faced in those first couple of months arriving in Asia?
1: Yeah, I mean, I got super lucky. Uh, After, I would say, two months uh, in Hong Kong, I got invited to be part of the French Tech Tour China. So it's basically a two-week acceleration program, and we made this tour from Hong Kong to Shenzhen, Beijing, and Shanghai. Uh, it was like amazing for me. It was my very first time in China. I was totally blown away. And uh, eventually we signed like four deals within just two weeks, confirming the potential, not only with international company based out of uh, Asia, but also local Chinese companies. So we've signed with OnePlus, So maybe you heard about One Plus is a smartphone company. And it's interesting thing for the Chinese local companies. if We are not launching challenges in China. So engaging with Chinese local innovators for them, but helping them to go global, to scale up. So basically launching challenges in Europe and in the U.S. Uh, So that was also a very uh, interesting discovery for us, Uh, you know, rethinking... Our business model, in a way, uh, where uh, innovation is no longer tapping into a local pool of talents, but really about going global and sourcing innovation at an international level.
0: That's very interesting. Did you expect that to have a particular appeal here in Asia, or did you expect them to be more Asia centric before coming here?
1: So, well, it's true that it took me like a few weeks to, to adapt. Um, it's still very, very different than I'm Not from Asia, I'm French, uh, as you can see with my accent. Um, so, well, the, I would say the key element for me was really building a team of you know, local Asian talents. So now we've got uh, a bit more than 14 nationalities. Uh, in the team in Asia. representing basically all the, all the countries, the main countries. So we've got obviously Chinese, we've got Indonesian, we've got Indian, we've got uh, yes, Filipinos in the team that are helping us to better understand the local markets, to better source local talents or local innovation, usually in the local languages. So for that, also we've been leveraging the platform. So obviously, uh, adapting the platform. So now the platform is avail- available in 12 different languages. And most of the Asian common languages, such as Japanese, Korean, Thai, and of course Mandarin, are available. And for China, we've been implementing the logging with WeChat. And since there, we've been sourcing like thousands and thousands of Chinese innovators through the platform.
0: That really made a big difference? Adding that login?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, uh, for, for WeChat is is a one stop shop for the Chinese. You know, they they using like WeChat on a daily basis. So since that uh, now with just one click, they can sign up to the platform and start joining our challenges. Yeah, we got like so many you know uh, innovators that couldn't access before uh, because it was not China friendly. Right.
0: What are some of the particular challenges that you face in Asia compared to the West? So.
1: I would say one of the found the first the first uh, challenge, but also it's an opportunity an opportunity for us is diversity of the talent pool. Uh, so it's an opportunity because we truly believe that talents can come from anywhere. So that's why also you know we've been this team. This is so diverse, so we can understand all the local markets but also a challenge because we need to adapt to every local culture and our approach to source the best idea and talents. So we have, we have been leveraging for this uh, network of ambassadors. So we've got ambassadors in almost uh, 40 different countries in Asia, uh, and they are here to, at a local level, evangelize, educate the market to make sure that we attract the best ideas. Because sometimes where you are you know, running massive hackathons, such as we are doing for AWS or Amazon Web Services in all Asian uh, area. So we have already launched like 12 different hackathons in countries such as Indonesia, Vietnam, Philippines, or uh, Malaysia. We need those like ambassadors that know the local ecosystem, that know how to engage and address uh, the local innovators to make sure that the base ideas will come to the platform and then it's Amazon Web Services basically to screen them, select the best teams and basically implement their solutions.
0: And how did you go about implementing those ambassadors in the different countries? Was that something that was challenging to put in place?
1: Well, so again, again we, we had to, to adapt to you know, um, the, the local market. So for that, for the implementation phase, we are le- usually leveraging uh, third party partners, usually incubators such as like China Accelerator, Xnode, to so their local incubators and they are taking the lead uh, after the announcement of the top three, top five winning teams. And they are the one really uh, taking the time to design this kind of acceleration program to make sure that at the end of those three to four months, we get some proof of concept. So it's exactly taking back, you know, uh, going back to uh, my example with Pernodica China, it's exactly what we've done. So we've organized the whole challenge around cocktails from 150 startups to top three. Top three startups, they went through this acceleration program powered by Xnude, based in Shanghai. And then, the top winning team got an investment of several million euros from Pernod Ricard.
0: I have a question about something that you hear about a lot here in Asia, which is the talent shortage. Um, I was wondering if that talent shortage has an impact on the demand side on your platform. Are companies, for example, more eager to participate to launch innovation challenges? But I was thinking it might also negatively impact the amount of talent or startups that try to reply to these challenges. Could you elaborate a little bit more how you see the influence of the talent shortage on what you're trying to do with Agorize? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a super good
1: question. Um, and I think again, we can, you, you can see in both ways, opportunity or challenge. Uh, it's definitely for us uh, an opportunity because um, we do believe that this talent shortage, is due to a misalignment between what can offer the corporate, the public institutions to the talents on the talents expectations. On launching that kind of recruitment online to offline challenges is a great way to line uh, the, the, the expectations and create kind of a massive Tinder and enable a, a more accurate matchmaking. Then, uh, for sure, uh, talent shortage, uh, sometimes uh, it's especially for the tech and IT profiles. Uh, so for us, uh, usually what we are doing is we are really tapping into a global network of innovators and we allow the best teams to mix different backgrounds. So usually they are not only teams from Asian, pure 100% background, but we're gonna also mix them with some tech profile, IT profile coming from the US or from Europe. And through the platform, they can team up and start brainstorming uh, and, yeah, apply to any challenges proposed by our clients.
0: Um, so we're recording this podcast in Singapore. You've also opened an office here not so very long ago, right? Why did you decide to open an office here in Singapore? Yeah,
1: I mean, we just launched a new office this year, so now we've got three full-time, and we should reach the number of 10 uh, really, really soon uh, to mind monitor- the Fast-growing demand for online challenges in Singapore, but also in Southeast Asia. So, we're about to sign like, our first deal in the Philippines, for example, and we got a lot of requests in Indonesia and in Thailand. Um, but also, it's a way for us to get closer to our clients. So, we are working for Amazon Web Services, as I mentioned, they're based uh, in Singapore. We are working also for Singapore Airlines, for the Singapore Gulf. So we last year we sourced around 1,000 startups for them, and we are about to launch edition two. So stay tuned. Um, but well, it's also like because we truly believe that uh, Singapore is it's, uh, it's uh, definitely a hub for startups and for talents. They still miss uh, this kind of link, uh, and we here to try to, as other institutions as that. Well, tech or public institutions in Singapore or a lot of incubators try to create more bridges between the talent pool, the talent of innovators, and the large corporation looking for talents and ideas.
0: So you've recently raised uh, Series B. It's a very impressive achievement. Congratulations. Could you tell us a little bit more about the goals of this round of funding and what's next for agri in Asia?
1: Yes. Um, thanks a lot. Um, so First, this fundraising is really about uh, accelerating our development. We've been uh, profitable for two years now. And so it's really about scaling up first by improving our tech, our platform, to make it always smarter and more optimized uh, for our clients. And then uh, by growing our team in Asia uh, to meet the fast-growing demand for online hackathon and online challenges in the region. So... What you can expect is uh, a lot of positions are already applied, uh, are already open. Sorry, in Singapore, in Hong Kong, soon we'll be opening also some position in China because we are trying to set up an office there. So, if you're interested in joining uh, our startups and you're interested in open innovation, feel free to apply.
0: That's a very good point. What's uh, what kind of positions are open here in Singapore right now?
1: Well, so. Right now we are uh, recruiting uh, for three kind of positions, like mainly salespeople as uh, so a part of the BD team uh, because the potential is huge and, and we've got so many requests uh, that we need to reinforce the team. Uh, then we also are looking for some community managers. Uh, so basically people that are connected to and reaching out to top universities, uh, and top incubators, uh, to make sure that we are sourcing the most talented um, talents not only in, uh, in Singapore but also in the whole of uh, Southeast Asia and then we'll be looking soon for project managers so taking care of uh, the clients uh, needs creating the platform doing all the follow-up until the organization of the final event at the end of the competition
0: all right that's great thank you so much before wrapping this up um, is there any words of wisdom that you'd like to share with your fellow entrepreneurs that are thinking about launching here in Asia?
1: Yeah, well, I think um, uh, when, when, when I was thinking about you know, relocating to Hong Kong, I had a very good reflex was to reaching out to the French tech community, uh, even before landing. And I was able to connect with great people. And finalized my you know two or three days business plan. <laughs> and I got I think super lucky because I met with great people and they gave me like great tips uh, before arriving and then on site. So yeah, I would like strongly recommend entrepreneurs to come. first, uh, don't tend to spend too, too much time on your market study, about investigating, but just come and see. And then i connect to the French tech community. I think it's a, it's a great way to start. Uh, and I mean, uh, Nicolai, I know you are very active in the French tech community in Singapore. Uh, myself, uh, I've been like, uh, you're just starting up as a member of the Hong Kong and Shenzhen community. So the idea of the French tech is basically to help the entrepreneurs to set up their business to also to connect them with people they should discuss with. But also, yeah, we organize a couple of events where you can connect, mingle, and yeah, discover the success stories of French entrepreneurs setting up their business in Asia.
0: Fantastic. That's great advice. I couldn't agree more, obviously, but I'm a little bit biased.
1: Thanks <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Thank you very much.